Hi, babe. Um, I'm driving to go teach. Um, in between jobs here. Um, I've been going from one job to the other. for this. Um, I don't know. I think that maybe recording was a bad idea. Okay, we'll try this again later. Bye.
Okay. Well, fuck. I'm going to go to the bank and see if I can get, um, if I can get some euros, gyros. I mean, I don't, I don't have to do it right now. I just just have some time to burn, I guess, before my class, and I am distressed, and I don't, I don't really like a lot about what's going on.
leaving my class. Um, Amanda is, of course, very worried about me being able, me leaving or not leaving. Um, I'm not sure. I can feel... I can feel like a manic wave coming. Um, it's not, I mean, the, 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 the manic is, uh, it's a survival tactic. Like I, have a bunch of things that I need to accomplish between now and a week from today, including getting a tooth fixed, getting medication, getting documents, getting, um, telling people I'm leaving. Uh, I don't know. There's, there's just so many unknowns that what's going to happen is because I can't make, um, like emotional decisions. I can't make decisions. Um, like I talked about this before, I can't, I have trouble making decisions when, um, value, um, or priorities is involved because those are emotional individual, uh, things. And as a person who's just always terrified of making the wrong choice, because I don't like, uh, consequences that are unintended, um, I can very easily get into a, like a, a loop, oh, a loop. Uh, and it can drain me of all my resources and then I, you know, I might get really depressed. Um, and then I can't make any decisions and I can't take any action, right? Um, which is like, that's how I get, I mean, that's just like regular depression. That's just how I can't get out of bed or that's how I, you know, um, just forget about stuff or like, I don't know, black out basically, um, lie in bed all day. Um, it just feels sad, but, uh, if that's not an option, like if I have to survive, um, like uh, the beginning of September where I had a lot of things that I needed to do and I was unable to do them because I was emotionally unstable and depressed and stuff. And so it came down to the last 24 hours and then I stayed up all night and, um, and there were no, there was no decision-making process. There was just an action process. Like I told Laramie, I was like, I'm just going to start throwing stuff outside the door into the hallway. If it goes left, take it to the trash. If it goes right, I'll take it to the truck, you know? And, um, and that's, you know, but I mean, as a result of that, as a result of the manic 
episode, I don't know what I still have and what I don't have, but that's kind of ideal for me, I guess. Anyway, so, um, I have a lot of things that I, I feel like I'm, I need to do between now and next week, and I don't know, oh, I don't know what's going to happen and what I'm going to leave behind and who I'm going to upset, but I will, um, you know, I'll figure it out because I'm backed into a corner here. I mean, I'm not really backed into a corner here, you know, but, um, because, you know, uh, I, I don't have to, you know, leave my brother's place. I don't have to leave my job or stop teaching or sell my car or any of that stuff. I don't have to do those things. But, it, uh, uh, but I can't keep living the way I'm currently living, okay? So when uh, people are like, it's not a matter of life and death, you getting out of the country, that's not, like, you're overreacting. You don't need to be so impulsive or whatever, right? Which is just them, whoever this is in this situation, applying their values to my life and telling me that I'm wrong. And that's obviously flawed. But um, my mind is made up and I'm not in a place of questioning it at this point. I'm much too close to the date to start evaluating new solutions. So this is a matter of life and death. Um, but by, in my mind, making it a matter of life and death, I am, in a sense, putting myself, backing myself into a corner. And uh, and now I, I run the risk of a manic episode leading to mistakes and consequences. Um, they're usually just financial. Like I haven't had any like legal consequences that I'm aware of yet. subject. Um, uh, I taught my class. We were just doing monologues. Um, and there's one child that I really don't like. Um, I really don't like. And I don't 
don't enjoy not liking one of my students. Like normally I can, I feel like I can find, um, like I can, I can find an entry point into, uh, you know, liking them or finding what's, um, like what, I don't know what's likable about them, I guess. But anyway, so this, this, uh, little person, um, her name is Taylor and she is just, um, she's very intelligent, but she's someone and she's, you know, probably like 11 or 12 or whatever, but she's someone who's, um, just so, so privileged and, uh, and for some reason likes to remind people how, um, like much better she is and how she deserves special treatment. Like, I don't think she's come into my class and not mentioned the special private classical academy or whatever that she goes to and how she has so much homework every night and how you know, she does such a good job. But also when we assign monologues, every time she's come back and tried to argue that she wants a different monologue. And then, um, I, I'm like, no, this is what you've been given. This is supposed to be like a challenge. And she's like, I don't like this. And I'm like, it's a challenge. Also, she's like, it's a, it's a, it's a monologue from a play called Finer Noble Gases by Adam Rapp and it's she has this this monologue where she's talking about these large computer monitors and just being fascinated with like the high resolution screens and the you know megahertz just whizzing away and you know seeing these screensavers of beautiful waterfalls and mountains and birds on rhinos backs and stuff that she's never seen before and it's really cool and Taylor's like why would anyone think that that's cool and I'm like, because they've never seen it before. If you've only heard about rhinos and waterfalls, and then you get to see a high resolution one or not a drawing or a painting of one, you know, it's almost like you're there. Um, it would be impressive and exciting. Anyway. Also, she just directs other students, which is like a big no-no, but, um, and I'm like, okay, we're going to do some stretches. And she's like, can I do my own stretches? And I'm like, sure, just go over there. Like, <laughs> anyway, but, uh, one of my students from last year joined the class today digitally and she just happened to be like one of my faves from last year she's very good she's I mean good at like performing you know she likes being there she's talented she has a grasp of the material she knows like the work that has to be done but at the same time she doesn't take it so seriously that it's going to like ruin her, um, you know, it's not going to make her super nervous or anything. Uh, anyway, 
yeah, sure, she's like the niece of James Earl Jones, um, and her fucking, her dad's like the film commissioner of Arizona or something, uh, um, but she, you know, she still has to work for all this stuff, like, she might be talented, or she might be in a position of privilege, or she might, you know, but she's still doing the work, you know, she had a monologue, she's like 13, and, and in her monologue, she talks about, you know, um, things that are not age appropriate, you know, she talks about, like, um, playing with fireworks, or, like, uh, shoplifting, or, um, selling her own brand of cigarettes or whatever, um, which is like a problem. And of course, Taylor is like, that's illegal. I'm like, all the things she's saying are illegal. She's also saying that they were bad ideas. And she agrees that they were bad ideas. Um, but she's using this to manipulate her parents, blah, blah, blah. But Taylor just couldn't stop saying, that's illegal. I'm like, why do you, just because we said cigarettes? Um, so, what else? Um, oh, so, so, um, Thalia, my favorite, not my favorite, but she's, you know, she's one of my favorites. I've had lots of favorites over the years. Um, she's, she's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, and she joined us via Zoom. And she is always, like, um, present. Right? Even via Zoom. Like, even when she's taking the class digitally, she is present and listening. And I can tell because I'm making jokes and I'm talking to her and she's listening and she's making, you know, faces and gestures and stuff. I'll send you the pictures of what the classroom looked like with, um, with the, she was on like three different screens. She was like on a laptop and a TV and a, another monitor. Anyway. So. Yeah, she did a great job. She's she's talented, you know, and I'm just like pushing her in another pushing her in like a direction. Um like I you know, I have hope for her. Sometimes I've had students for a long time and I'm just like, I don't know I don't think I am the coach for you. Like, I don't know how to communicate like like, if I can't motivate you to memorize something by saying you're going to have to memorize this and perform it next week, if I can't, mo- if that doesn't motivate you to perform it, then this might not be the industry for you. Like, if it, it's going to require some discipline. Also, I'm not the person to teach self discipline. Uh, I feel like that, and like much of what I teach, very often I go like I did this again today I'm like I'm gonna tell you what it like is it what you're supposed to do but I'm also gonna tell you what I do because you know sometimes there are situations right so 
Um, Talks about being prepared and being on time and how that's not really their... Um, being prepared is their responsibility. Being on time is not until they can... But it's So it's like a team effort with their family. Like, they all have to be prepared and on time. Um, what was the counter-advice, counterintuitive advice that I gave? Um, uh, I don't know. It was something about, like... Um, I'm tell- I was thinking I was telling them about slating uh, and doing like so your your name and the your introduction to your piece so I'd be like hi my name is Will uh, Hightower and uh, my first piece is going to be from Seminar by Teresa Rebeck and my second piece is going to be from The Santa Land Diaries by David Sedaris um, I just picked two shows I'm not doing those pieces for you sorry um and so we just sort of, we talked about that. We talked about like the, you know, when you go into a theater audition and, uh, you know, the greeting, the moving the chair, using the chair if you need to. Um, but uh, also importantly, communicating non-verbally um, when you start acting and when you stop acting. And... Um, the despite despite what uh, most people think the way to not the way to end your audition is not by uh, putting your hand in front of your face and going scene right um, that's me saying the word scene with a lisp uh, that's not the way to do it you just say thank you when you're finished right uh, otherwise we won't know when you're done and it can be super awkward. Uh, let's see. Oh, one of the things I talked about, I think, was like when we were talking about sides and cold reading and auditions and and uh, marking up your copy, marking the script that you're given at the audition. And uh, and I was like, so if you get to the audition and they give you a, a the copy of the script, um, and they're like, just turn that in when you're done. Um, does that mean you are, you have to, uh, um, you have to, you can't write on it. You can't write on it. You can't fold it. You can't highlight it. Does that mean, because you have to turn it back in and someone else is going to use it. So you don't want to like mark up all over it. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably, like, considerate or whatever, but fuck that. Like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to give me the best possible chance, right? And set myself up for success. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little selfish, but they can print, they can print another copy of the commercial, okay? Um... They can print another copy of the commercial or whatever. So I write on that piece of paper. I fold up that piece of paper. I, uh, I, I'll, I'll hand them like a wad of paper when I'm done. If, if I think that that's something that I need to do most of the time when I'm doing that, of course, I bring my own copy of it if I have it. Um, but that's an example of do what you got to do to, to help you, you know, um, 
but would not normally be. I also tell them to lie a lot. Not a lot, but I tell them to... Okay, well, hold on. Okay, I'm just getting out of the car here. Uh, I don't tell them to lie, but... Uh, I tell them to equivocate, which of course is my favorite. So when they say, you know, when a, when a, a director or a casting director asks you a question and they say, can you golf or can you ride a horse or can you rollerblade? They're not asking you, can you golf? Can you ride a horse? Can you rollerblade right now? Uh, what they're asking you is, could you golf, ride a horse, rollerblade confidently by the time we shoot? <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's how I get myself into some situations where, like, I'm in the middle of the Tucson desert on a horse screaming. <sighs> but still. Um... Like, I, you know, I didn't know how to juggle until I was asked, can you juggle? And then I had to learn how to juggle for that audition. <sighs> okay, I am home. Well, not home. I'm at cold. And there's a package here, so. <sighs> okay, maybe I will come back. Maybe I'll do another one of these. I don't know. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm.